Hi, this is Mike Smith from The Complete Works, and I wanted to uh, get ahead of the episode that you're about to hear uh, just a little bit, because the uh, movie that we're talking about today, which is called Vengeance, A Love Story, uh, does deal with themes of rape and trauma and PTSD, and I understand that that can be a trigger for some people out there, so I wanted to offer up a trigger warning at the start of the episode, just a heads up, that those are the themes that uh, this episode will be dealing with, and we also talk about a lot of very silly stuff, too. It is a Nicolas Cage revenge thriller from 2017, after all. So, of course, there is some silly stuff uh, that we talk about in the episode. But just a heads up that those themes are covered in the episode. If you want to skip ahead, jump around, that's totally fine. It's up to you. But in any case, just wanted to get that out there before the episode actually starts. Hope you enjoy. I can see why I likes your mom. Oh, no, we're gonna walk. Hi, in the morning. Let's go as I'm Tina McGuire. Niagara detectives are investigating a brutal attack on a local woman and her 12-year-old daughter. You're the only witness. I need your help. This was a confused and frightened child. His mother was so derelict as a parent to drag her to a drunken orgy party. But it wasn't rape, it was consensual. They are completely innocent. Just like I did Tina. The Complete Works, an in-depth look into the career and filmography of Nicolas Cage. My name is Mike Smith. Joining me on this journey into the depths of true cagedom is my friend, co-host, and fellow cageaholic, Mike Trucio. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're in the middle of a, a couple of podcasts day kind of thing. We're recording a few episodes here uh, yeah. to kind of create a little bit of a backlog for us. Um, so this is the, kind of the first time we've ever done this. Yeah, it's uh, like which, we're professionals. I know it's pretty wild, uh, but so yeah, things are uh, things are moving along, man. We're uh, we're getting back into the podcast swing of things, so that uh, next week when I'm away, uh, I got some time off for I'm going back for a friend's wedding. Uh, we can at least put out some content for our beloved listeners and things like yes. that. Yes, we know uh, you crave that hashtag content. So exactly, <laughs> we got you covered. Yes, yeah, so uh, Mike, I want to take you all the way back to 2002. It was a better time then. Yeah, it was a pretty wild year. 
Uh, I mean, we were, what, like 10 years old? Nine yeah, it's years, the same as 10. now. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty wild year. U.S. Airways filed for bankruptcy. Uh, <laughs> the Winter Olympics were held in Salt Lake City. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah. Green Day and Blink-182 co-headlined a tour together. Uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was released, paving the way for Spider-Man 2, which, as we have established, is the greatest movie ever made. Uh, and Go in, on. And in the middle of it all, Nicolas Cage directed his first movie. Uh, which starred James Franco as a male prostitute looking to leave that world behind, and it was called Sunny. Remember Sunny, Mike? I do. It was a New Orleans movie. That was another New Orleans movie, another in a long string of New Orleans movies uh, Nicolas Cage has made. Uh, we reviewed Sunny a while back on this podcast, and the reason I bring it up to today is that it's the only film that Cage has directed in his entire career so far. Uh, it's been 17 years since then, so it's not unreasonable to assume that the movie's poor box office or the bad reviews turned Cage away from directing. He tried it, didn't work out, he can move on. But here's the thing. Cage almost directed the movie we're about to discuss today, Mike. What? Yeah, this could have been another Cage directorial feature, and that is a 2017's Joyce Carol Oates adaptation, uh, Vengeance, A Love Story. Uh, now, ultimately, the timing didn't work out, and he acted as a star and producer of the movie, uh, but I think it's fascinating that even all these years later, Cage is still looking for another directorial project. Like, who knows? Maybe it'll happen sooner than we think. Yeah. Anything's possible in the, the Cage future. In the Cageiverse that we all find ourselves in, yes. Mm, yes. Uh, <laughs> now, Joyce Carol Oates, for those unfamiliar, is an accomplished and prolific author who's basically been writing nonstop since the 60s uh, and even continues releasing novels and other works to this day at the age of 81. Uh, there have not been many major movies adapted from her work, however, which seems odd considering the sheer amount of stuff that she has written. Uh, you would think there's a lot of stuff ripe for adaptation there. Uh, but in 2003, she released a novella, titled Rape, A Love Story, which was soon optioned for a movie. Uh, Pre-production actually began in 2009 uh, with an entirely different cast signed on. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson would have been playing Nicolas Cage's role, while the mother and the daughter in the film would have been played by Diane Wiest and Abigail Breslin. Whoa. Yeah, very different movie, right? Yeah. Uh, That casting indicates that they were really aiming high for this movie originally. Uh, Theatrical release, probably, maybe even an award season push. Uh, but it never got off the ground, and in 2016, it was announced that Nicolas Cage had joined the cast of this movie, which had by now changed the title to Vengeance, A Love Story, uh, likely because it would be very tough to market a movie that was called Rape, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, it'd be, you know, difficult. You know, I don't think you would be able to put that poster in theaters. Uh, as you can probably figure out from the title, this movie is about rape and the trauma that results from it. Uh, Nicolas Cage plays John Dromore, a police officer hell-bent on making things right after a woman he knows is raped in front of her daughter. Uh, that woman is named Tina McGuire, and she's played by Anna Hutchinson, who horror fans, uh, Mike, you might recognize her, uh, she was Jules in Cabin in the Woods. Ah, okay. Yeah, she did look familiar. I just wasn't really sure where right. Right from. Yeah, that's that's one of those things. Like, I, I was watching the movie, and like as soon as she popped up on screen, I was like, holy shit, Cabin in the Woods. Like it's Because like, <laughs> I've seen Cabin in the Woods so many times. Like, and I, and I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else either. So yeah. it's kind of exciting to see her. Uh, her daughter, Bethy McGuire, is played by Talitha Bateman, who's made appearances in such films as Annabelle Creation and Love, Simon. Uh, from there, Tina's mother, Agnes, is played by Deborah Cara Unger, known for her roles in movies like David Cronenberg's Crash and David Fincher's The Game. Uh, Don Johnson is in this movie, uh, of course, known for his role in Miami Vice, uh, but who has carved out a really solid character actor career playing slime balls over the past decade yeah. <laughs> um, in movies like Django Unchained and Brawl in Cell Block 99. Uh, he plays Jay Kirkpatrick, the uh, defense attorney for the rapist in this movie. 
Uh, now, Charlene Tilton and Dyfer and Tulane play Irma and Walter Fick, the parents of two of the rapists who hired Kirkpatrick as their lawyer. Uh, Tilton was well known for her role on Dallas back in the 80s, uh, while Cage fans might recognize the father, Tulane, uh, since he popped up in 2011's Seeking Justice. So there's that. Uh, and believe it or not, there's actually another Seeking Justice reunion here, too, as uh, Mike Panuski plays Judge Shapiro, the uh, judge in the court case who uh, was also in Seeking Justice, and more importantly... Uh, I found this out the other day. He was major asshole in Spaceballs. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's incredible. Right? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Good for that guy. Kind of blew my mind right there. Uh, also, Cage's brother, Mark Coppola, makes an appearance in this movie. He's popped up in The Cotton Club, Vampire's Kiss, Deadfall, Leaving Las Vegas, and Sunny. And he makes a quick appearance as Dr. Collins. And finally, Michael Papajohn, the guy who killed Uncle Ben in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, uh, is in this movie playing J.J. Breen, which makes this the fourth Cage movie that he's appeared in after G-Force, Drive Angry, and Rage. And, of course, Michael Papajohn is well known for his chain of pizza restaurants. Uh, <laughs> I have made that joke every time Michael Papajohn has been in a Nicolas Cage movie. And if there are future movies in which he's in a Cage movie, I will also make that same joke. Uh, nice. Now, Vengeance, a Love Story was adapted from the Joyce Carol Oates novel and written by John Mankiewicz, who was a producer on House of Cards and Bosch on Amazon and who wrote several episodes of House as well. Uh, after Cage stepped down as director, the movie was ultimately directed by Johnny Martin, a former stunt coordinator uh, who actually worked with Cage on movies like Rage and Drive Angry. He did a lot of the stunts for that movie. Uh, also, not the first time Cage has been directed by a stuntman, as uh, seen in movies like Left Behind uh, with Vic Armstrong and Outcast with Nick Powell. Uh, that same year, Martin released another movie called Hangman, uh, which starred Al Pacino and Carl Urban as detectives trying to catch a serial killer, which I can't believe I have never heard of that movie. That sounds amazing. What? Uh, <laughs> uh, more recently, he directed a movie in 2018 called Delirium, a horror movie about a group of friends trying to make a viral video in a haunted house. Now, Vengeance, a Love Story had a video-on-demand release in the U.S. on September 15th, 2017, and if you weren't watching that, then maybe you went out to the theater to go see American Assassin, an action thriller starring Dylan O'Brien and Michael Keaton, or... Uh, you were one of the cool kids, like us, going out to see the new art house horror film from Darren Aronofsky, Mother, uh, with, <laughs> <laughs> with Jennifer Lawrence, uh, which I haven't seen since in theaters, but I'd be like, I'd really like to rewatch that movie again. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Uh, anyway, the IMDb plot synopsis for Vengeance, A Love Story reads, A group of strangers come to the aid of a single mother seeking to bring her rapist to justice. Uh, so, Mike, we went into Vengeance, A Love Story... And I'm, I'm curious, did you know anything about the movie going into it? Like, did you know what it was about? Well, I mean, it's all right there in the title. And uh, and you <laughs> mentioned uh, at the end of one of the other episodes, I guess probably for Mike and Mike, uh, that was originally titled, titled Rape, A Love Story. So you kind uh, of put two and two together is what you're saying. Yeah, I can uh, follow along. Fair enough. Uh, so uh, I was kind of scrolling through Letterboxd earlier today. I saw that you had ranked the movie and that you had given it one star. I'm curious if you had seen what I ranked the movie uh, when you did that. <laughs> I don't remember now. Uh, okay, I gave it three stars. Um, what? <laughs> what? Uh, so, but, but I'll let you get your thoughts out first, Mike. Why did you hate Vengeance of Love Story? <laughs> it's just fucking shitty. I don't like. It's not. It's not. It's got nothing to say. I mean, I mean. Okay, I guess that's not exactly true because it is very much about the reality of uh, what victims of rape go through and and the way the uh, you know society is stacked against them and that. Judges and lawyers are kind of buddy-buddy, and, and uh, the victim has to be belittled in front of the court and all this stuff. Like you know, But it's, it's things we've seen done 
so much better and with such more care than is done in this movie, it seems. That's not even the main reason, like, just the, the insensitivity of, of everything. But I guess, you know, you could argue it's like, oh, the objectivity of the situation, whatever. Uh, you can try and a- add some kind of uh, extra layer of meaning to all of that that I don't think this movie uh, comes close to having. But it's just, like, bad. Cage is... Uh, I don't want to get into performances yet, I guess. But, Cage, like, everyone's sleep- sleepwalking, it seems. Although, except for... Um, Jules from Cabin in the Woods, who's actress, uh, I forgot. Uh, Anna Hutchinson is her name. Anna Hutchinson. Um, she's doing a lot. I think she's giving a great performance. Um, but, like, everything else around it is just not really living up to that. And um, the the story, it, it's called Vengeance, a love story, and it's just, like, it, it, it couldn't, it, it tried to walk that line between, like, being this very serious drama about what that is like to be a rape victim and a victim of sexual assault in the legal system, but also... This, like, Death Wish revenge like, uh, movie, yeah. you know, uh, revenge movie. Uh, and it doesn't really do either one particularly well. And I was just kind of, like, over it. Like, you know, about 20 minutes in, I was like, ah, it's just like, whatever, man. Like, you're not going <laughs> to, you, you lost me. I don't, I don't know what I was really expecting. Um, and I just, for some reason, I, we, I just wanted to come down hard on a movie <laughs> on this one. And that, this one was in my sights. You know Fair what I mean? Enough. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, I get it. I, I totally get where you're, where you're coming from. I get why you would hate this movie. I do. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, I thought it was surprisingly solid. I, I went into this movie expecting to have your reaction to this movie. I, <laughs> I expected yeah. to not like this movie. I, you know, rape revenge movies are a very tricky genre of film to get yeah. right, to do well. And I, I was not expecting this movie to be one of the ones that did it particularly well. And as soon as it started, I was getting pretty worried because the first 10 minutes or so are really rough and I think often laughably bad. Uh, there's a lot of like really dumb stuff happening in that first 10 minutes. But then it gets to the actual event, the rape uh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really struck by how effectively the movie was able to capture the horror and the trauma of it all. Um, I, I think there are so many rape revenge movies um, out there that treat the actual rape as exploitation. Um, they treat it as titillation. It's meant to arouse rather than horrify. Um, you know, it's like, you know, images of breasts and ass and all that stuff. Like, you, you see that in these, in these rape revenge movies a lot, uh, yeah. especially, especially the ones by male directors. And this movie, I think, really does an effective job of not doing that. Here, as it's happening, we're almost entirely focused on the daughter screaming in terror while she watches what's happening to her mom. Right. Uh, and we're also getting close-ups of the mom's face as she's screaming, and anything involving the body is done in a wide shot that captures, in no uncertain terms, that this is a very forced act. Um, so I, I think you know it's a very, I think, very tough scene to watch actually, um, but I think it really effectively captures that moment. And then from there, I think it's actually a really interesting portrait of what a rape victim goes through, how it affects her life and her mindset, and how easily her emotional state can get triggered by something that seems very innocuous. Uh, that said, the movie's not great. Like, I'm not saying it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think it often veers into melodrama, and Don Johnson feels like he came and lifted from a very different, more cartoonish movie than the movie <laughs> that this yes. is. Um, but I think it's ultimately effective at what it's trying to do. I, I think it's weird. I think this movie was sold as this is a Nicolas Cage, Death Wish-style revenge thriller. And if you look at the poster, it's Cage's face in the poster. It's his name on the on the carrying poster. a shotgun. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's I think the movie that a lot of people were expecting going into this movie. Uh, but the movie is very much not that. Honestly, that stuff doesn't happen until like the last half hour of this movie. Uh, the first hour up to that point is really just dealing with her reality post uh, the event that happens. Yeah. Um, and I, I found that to be a really effective and fascinating um, portrayal for that uh, because it's not something that I think a lot of movies deal with that well, honestly. Uh, so I, I thought this movie actually did a pretty surprisingly solid job uh, with all that stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see all that. I, I do, I do agree with you though that um, the actual uh, assault and rape is very uh, restrained. Like you were saying, like as far as filmmaking, the way these things can be often portrayed, and yeah, I think it is very effective and and scary and and uh, traumatizing. Like as a viewer, to have to watch this, and like you said, focusing on the daughter uh, is a effective way of not just being like, "Look, she's naked," uh, which right. a lot of them often are. So yeah, I, I do I do applaud uh, this movie for that because um, that is often the 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 scene that uh, I'll just like check out of a movie and be like, "Nope." You didn't do it like you did it. Gross. I'm exactly. Not, yeah. I'm not interested. Uh, I was. I actually thought of um, of Revenge, the movie. I think came out the same year, I or thought, at least I 2018. Re- yeah, I thought of Revenge also. Yeah, that came out 2018, 2017 in France, I think, but 2018 yeah. here. Uh, which also was a rape revenge story directed by a woman, and, and had the whole like uh, restrained version of a, of a often rape scene uh, yes. in a rape yeah. revenge movie. So I thought that was interesting. That 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 one moment is is in this larger bad moment uh in the movie <laughs> for me as a whole um and i don't know if it's if it's because it 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 does that um the the film vengeance uh does that whole melodrama thing like it just it it, it seems like it's trying to take itself very seriously while also at the same time being cartoonish in some points i think that's don johnson also <laughs> don, don johnson is going full southern lawyer uh in yeah, this movie full slime it's, it's you know like the um the character on Futurama, which is like the southern chicken lawyer that is like going back and forth. It's like, I'm just a southern lawyer. I don't know. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, like this is a more cartoonish version of that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but the weird thing is I liked Don Johnson's performance just oh, not yeah. in this movie. You know what yeah, I mean? I had a blast watching him, but I feel like I shouldn't have had a blast watching him in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I, I feel like it's, it's like made up of the, the, the two parts where it's Don Johnson is in the movie the poster sells you. He's in the slimy, Death Wish, sleazy exploitation movie. Yes. Uh, and the rest of the movie around that, and Cage at the end, you know, the last act, they're in that movie, and then the rest of the movie is this kind of, like, serious drama about this, uh, you know, rape victims and stuff. And I was just like, I can't tell, I can't take the whiplash between what's going on in these scenes and stuff. Uh, it just was enough to pull me out of, of the movie and just be like, nah, I'm done. It's fair. I mean, I think I think for me, the actual, like, just the way it portrayed that event and the uh, the trauma afterwards, where yeah. you're really you're really just focusing on her. And again, these a lot of these rape revenge movies, and we we criticized seeking justice for this actually um, way back in the you know the early days of 2018 or 2019 or whenever we talked about that movie. Um, <laughs> but we talked about seeking justice, which is a movie where um, January Jones plays Cage's wife, and she gets assaulted and raped in that movie. But in that movie, you know, she gets raped, and then the entire rest of the movie is about Cage, and it's about how it affects him. Uh, and in this movie, it's not that, which I think is what I really appreciated and what I took away from it is that it's like, she gets raped, but then it's about her and her family and what they're dealing with. Uh, and then that last half hour is KH killing the people who assaulted her. But like, to me, the movie isn't about that, or it isn't about that for most of its runtime and that it kind of becomes that like death wish thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's an actually pretty interesting point. And I wonder, now that I'm thinking about it, I was constantly while watching the movie, just like expecting it to pivot to that where it's like okay it's gonna be about cage now and i think i was oh man do i actually think this is a good movie mike what have you done to me (laughs) did i just break you i broke you (laughs) you broke me a little bit (laughs) Uh, i I just don't know if it it rises to the quality that it needs to be though no Um, and i definitely think it's it's one of those things i feel like there's moments where i'm like man this is bad. This is like this, there's a lot of yeah. bad stuff in the movie. Like I get it. the first ten minutes, I think, are really like just dumb and exposition on you. There's like one 
ridiculous scene involving Cage's partner that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry. But, but like, there's like crazy shit that happens that first ten minutes, I'm just like, man, this is going to be a bad movie. And then that stuff happens, and I think it actually is a very, relatively effective portrayal, and a lot of that is through Anna Hutchinson's performance. I think she's yeah. given a really good one. I think the, uh, the daughter in this movie is also great, Talitha Bateman. Um, and I, I think I really responded to the, to their relationship and how they were dealing with everything and how frustrated they were with her mom and their lawyer and everything that they were dealing with and you know this kind of bond that um, the daughter and cage kind of have by the end of the movie uh i just i appreciated all of that i think it's an effectively acted movie um it just feels like you know if if it had had maybe a little bit of a higher budget if it had a little bit stronger sense of what it wanted to be it, like if, it, if this movie was like 35 percent better uh, I, th- I think it could have been released in theaters and it could have gotten like an Oscar push. You know, like it's, it just feels like that, that kind of award, it, it, it like veers into awards baby territory at a certain point. Yeah. It's like, if it, could just, if it was just a little bit better, it could be that movie. <laughs> but I it's think not. that, yeah, I think like you mentioned the, the, the first version, like the 2009 version with Samuel oh. Jackson and Abigail yeah. Reslin, like that yeah. could have been one of those movies. You don't assemble that cast with this story and not try to push for awards basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but let's talk about Nicolas Cage in the in the not a lead role. Like I, he he's positioned, he's billed in the top role, but he's really a supporting character in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you think of Nicolas Cage in this movie, Mike? I think he's mostly sleepwalking, which is kind of unfortunate. Especially that, like, if right from that very beginning, the, the ten first ten minutes with the partner, and uh, I mean, we do spoilers on the show. So uh, when yeah. when the partner gets shot <laughs> which is <laughs> hilarious by the way and it's unfortunate yes. that it's so funny uh and there's a couple things like that but cage goes over to him and he's like you know puts his head like holds his head and he's like oh man i forget the exact line he yells at him but he's like don't give up don't don't give up but like with no like inflection yeah. like he just like says it but loud and like that's it and i was like oh no it's gonna be a lot of that and there's a lot of him with no emotion on his face which i guess is supposed to be like him a you know a, gr- a grizzled uh you know jaded police officer in niagara falls which yeah. like okay and I, like, this, yeah, this movie opens with uh like headlines and one of them is like niagara falls the most dangerous city in new york and i was like is it <laughs> like what <laughs> Uh, we couldn't get the tax credit to film in the Bronx, so <laughs> Niagara Falls it is, <laughs> which results in some like you know some very fine looking cinematography where they're where they're standing above the falls and that kind of thing. And there's one pretty great moment where Cage shoots a guy over the falls, and that's fun. <laughs> um, but but like you know, it's just one of those things. Like it starts off with that headline, and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> there's no way that's true, is it? Yeah, um, very funny. And then the, 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 when the partner gets shot, is hilarious because like the guy comes from around the corner, he's like, "Ah!" and shoots him. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? It's great. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like there's a lot of scenes where Cage is just like delivering the line, and you know that's not the thing we want from Cage. We want his his uh, what is it, nouveau shamanistic or whatever he's uh, dubbed his uh, acting style <laughs> right. uh, with just you know bonkers uh, line readings and whatever delivery and all this stuff. And it's just kind of middling for for Cage in this performance. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I want that kind of Cage in this kind of movie. Um, unless unless it's a much cartoonier, like if, if it's much more in the Death Wish vein. Um, it's the Don Johnson for, version of this movie. If it's the Don John, whatever movie Don Johnson's in, I kind of want to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think Cage is fine in the movie. Um, he's more stoic than I think he typically is in this kind of movie. Um, it really reminded me of uh, his performance in The Frozen Ground, actually. Um, kind of dealing with similar, uh, not 
uh, similar subject matter and yeah. you know, kind of a similar character. Um, and yeah, even though he's top Bill, he's very much a supporting character. Stuff with him taking revenge against the rapist doesn't really happen until the last half hour. But a lot of the movie hinges on the bond that Cage forms with Bethy, the daughter. Uh, and I think they're good together. I actually really enjoyed their scenes together. Um, that scene where he kind of sits down with her at the hospital and, he's, and she's watching cartoons and she's like so like not focused on the TV because she's just like still traumatized. And he kind of sits down and he comforts her a little bit and he's like, oh, Daffy Duck is my favorite. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think she's even watching Looney Tunes at the time, but um, I don't think so either. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and then she laughs and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I feel like they needed a little bit more for that relationship to, be, to feel fully formed. Because I think it kind of goes from Cage comforts her in the hospital to Bethy calls Cage to protect the family after one of the rapists murders their cat um, without yeah. without like anything in between. <laughs> And then I feel like there's not really much in between that scene and the final scene where he's like, you're my daughter. I was like, what? <laughs> like, if I have a daughter, I'm going to name her after you. He's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, what? But, but the thing is, those scenes like worked for me because I think they're like deliver- I think they're performed pretty well. I, I like those two together. I think, uh, the do- I think the daughter playing Bethy is doing a lot of good work. Yeah. Uh, and Cage is solid enough. He's fine in the movie. Uh, he's, he's doing fine. I also yeah. appreciated that uh, you know, this movie kind of opens with um, Cage at the bar uh, where he sees Tina for the first time, he sees Anna Hutchinson, um, and it, it kind of sets her up as a potential love interest when they when they first meet. Like they're both widower, like you know her husband died, his, his wife died, and she gives him her number. Uh, and then the event happens, uh, and um, it complete like, everything. Their entire relationship changes after that. He's the one who finds her after the rape, and you know he genuinely cares about her for her well being, wants to protect her. But the movie never goes the route of like he's in love with her kind of thing. It's just yeah. like you know he's just genuinely. Um, it's if there's a movie that is like hashtag believe women like if that could be the tagline for the, for a movie yeah. this would be the movie for that um, and so like at the end of the movie when she like she and Bethy leave New York and move to California his big goodbye is not with her it's with Bethy because that's that's the bond that they've kind of built throughout the movie I thought that was really interesting and I think a really good choice um, for the movie yeah I agree with that I think uh, it's it's interesting that <laughs> well interesting is not the right word but I missed the that. That fact that uh, that Cage is a widower, I must have somehow missed that exchange because when, so then later, way later in the movie, there's a moment where I think Cage is talking. To, is it to Tina? I don't remember exactly, but he says like, "I know what it's like to lose a loved one," and I thought he was talking about his partner, and I was like, "What the fuck? What? That seems like a much bigger plot point that we should have explored." <laughs> um, but this movie glosses over because the partner's got a wedding ring that he's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna ask her ask pop a question right. to her." And I was like, wait a second. I was so confused. <laughs> well, that's uh, why, I mean, the whole the whole thing with the partner, um, hey, I think the reason that scene is so funny, like, literally, like, they're they're in the car. The first thing that happens, uh, the guy, like, pulls out a wedding ring and is like, oh, I'm going to go marry my girlfriend after this. And, like, I wrote I wrote down, like, as soon as that happened, like, this guy is going to die. Um, and then, <laughs> like, as soon as he pulls out that wedding ring, I was like, he's a goner. And then 30 seconds later, he gets shot in the neck off screen. And I was like, yep, there he is. <laughs> I barely finished writing it down and then it happened, um, (laughs) which was pretty great. Uh, But then that that event really has no bearing on anything that happens throughout the rest of the movie other than Cage is sad in the bar and I guess that's why he's there. Um, And that's why he meets Tina in, in the first place, I guess. But like, you know, that you never really get into Cage's mindset of like, oh, my partner died and I'm mad about it. Um, no, and that kind I think of thing. it's just there to show that he's like a hero to the people or something because that's like the headline they show. Right. Yes. Uh, uh, or or to show that like I think it's to establish that Niagara Falls is the most dangerous city in New York <laughs> or something. Like, 
<laughs> so that so that when it, when the rapists show up later on in the movie, it's not a surprise because we know that Niagara Falls is the most dangerous city. I, you know, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I, I do like that scene in the bar too when the, um, he meets Tina and they're kind of catching up and they kind of hit it off a little bit and she um, mentions that like she's seen in the paper and she points to the headline that's hanging up on the wall and it's like, oh, that was back in April. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah, who could remember that far back? Uh, <laughs> which is, you know, I, I thought it was charming and it was funny. And again, Anna Hutchinson, I think, is, is really doing a good performance in this movie. I yeah. think she's really good. Uh, and I remember, I, I really liked her in Cabin in the Woods, her and Kristen Connolly both. And uh, I feel like I saw Kristen Connolly like in House of Cards for a little bit and then she disappeared too. Uh, but I would really like to see both of them again in movies. I, I thought they were both yeah. great in Cabin in the Woods. Um, all right. how, how do you think this role fits into the roles that we've seen Nicolas Cage play so far, Mike? Uh, well, it, it definitely um, harkens back to that that era of of um, you know stolen and seeking justice for me and yes. and uh, rage and you know despite starring in rage he's still just Nicolas Cage stole my uh, life. Yeah, you've said it, you've mentioned rage a few times and you haven't said it so I had to make I, sure we covered our bases. I, I was literally saving it for this. <laughs> So I preempted you, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it feels much more akin with those level of movies um, rather than the more recent uh, direct-to-video stuff we've seen, like The Trust or uh, Doggy Dog or stuff that like I really liked. Um, yeah. So it feels like a, like a backstep for me, especially okay. compared, uh, c- coupled with Inconceivable. Uh, or, <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, at least, at least this one is filmed competently right oh, at least yes, this, for sure at least this one is like directed you know at least yeah. <laughs> we didn't film every scene in one room on one day yeah exactly we, uh, got our half our schedule cut exactly um, at least this one has a screenplay you know like <laughs> <laughs> it has the bare bones of what qualifies as a movie <laughs> at least the actors stand up sometimes right exactly <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i would slam faye dunaway for having a broken leg i'm sorry <laughs> what what am i doing but, um, yeah, it's definitely not the same level of incompetence as Inconceivable was. But it just feels like we've made a back step in, in terms of quality overall for me, like those yeah. movies. When we were starting to trend upwards, I thought, with, you know, Trust and, and, and uh, Dog Eat Dog and stuff. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the, the trend that we're going to see going forward, and, you know, I, I've been saying, like, the cage of silence is upon us. There's a lot of good movies on the way. I mean, we're going to be talking about Mom and Dad in the next episode, uh, right. which I've heard very good things about. And that's one that I've put off watching because I wanted to save it for the podcast. Uh, but Mandy is coming up. Uh, Spider-Verse is coming up. Uh, he's in a new Richard Stanley movie, um, which I believe is set to premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival called Color Out of Space, which uh, the first yeah. image from that the first image from that just came out, and it looks gorgeous. I'm pretty excited about that one. But the, the sheer volume of stuff that Cage makes means there are still going to be bad movies. <laughs> he, we're entering the year 2018, Mike. Do you know how many movies Nicolas Cage made in 2018? Is it like seven or something, right? Eight. Nicolas Cage shit. made eight movies in 2018. Uh, so throughout, like, we have eight movies in one year alone, which is, I believe, the most of any year that we've had to deal with so far uh, for this podcast. So, we like, just when we think we're done, we got, like, eight movies in one year to get through. The final um, hump. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, like, I guarantee you, like, at least three of those movies will be terrible. Like, I, I, I'm banging yeah. on it right now. Even though we're in the cage of even though we're in, like, a, a really interesting period of cage and video on demand and stuff like that, we're still going to get a lot of really bad Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, which, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way, basically. <laughs> um, but, yeah. It but makes the good ones so much better. 
Exactly, yeah. Uh, as far as vigilante cage movies go, yeah, you're right. I mean, it seems to have a piece with Seeking Justice and Rage and those kind of movies. Honestly, you could swap the titles for any of, the, of those movies and nobody <laughs> would notice. Like, if you called this movie Seeking Justice a love story... It'd be the same. It'd be the, <laughs> well, didn't that happen where there were two movies that were like synonyms or the, they were, oh my God, I forget. Hold on. Somebody, Colin, check the minutes. I uh, think it was Seeking Justice and, and something else or, or they say, they say the title of the movie, they say oh, like, wait, yes, you're think, just I, seeking I, justice, but it was I, in some I other movie. Think, I think that was in the IMD plot synopsis for Rage, actually. Oh, that was um, it, yeah. <laughs> Nicholas Cage starts seeking justice and like, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You, that's what I'm saying. You can kind of just swap any of these titles and be like, it's the same. It's the same movie. I was uh, trying to say it happened. It's, it's like, yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but Cage also striking up a bond with a woman's young daughter is also a subplot in Army of One as well, which we talked about yeah. a couple episodes ago, too. Uh, so kind of wanted to uh, bring that up, too. But, uh, okay, so let's get into the moments or scenes that stood out to you in the movie, Mike. I feel like we got to talk about the courtroom scene. Um, which, you know, because we, we, already, we already talked about the rape scene. I feel like we don't really need to get too much more in-depth with that. Yeah. The courtroom scene is the other kind of big scene in the movie. And what a ridiculous scene this, <laughs> this is. I mean, it's here's the thing. I was compelled throughout the whole thing. I think it successfully made me outraged, um, which was definitely its goal. But yeah. it is just so cartoonishly over the top uh, between Don Johnson as the lawyer and the judge. Who yeah. is just like, there's one moment where um, I think it's... Cage says something, and the judge, like, sternly corrects his grammar. Uh, yeah. He says, like, me and my partner. And he's like, oh, excuse me, it's my partner and I. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's like, like, okay, and, right. and that's, like, your first indication, like, oh, this judge is not going to be super helpful at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, like, the scene made its point, And honestly, like, I'm sure there are hearings that have gone exactly like that situation but the way it plays in this movie is just very silly uh i think the thunderous applause when don johnson finishes his speech is like a, <laughs> a beautiful touch it's, it's yeah. kind of incredible yeah uh, i mean don johnson's like just the way he goes and stands like right next to uh the daughter and puts his arms on hands on her shoulder and like on the and all this stuff and he's just being right. evil slime ball uh yeah. but, like, and he's really not, good at doing that but it's yeah. not this movie <laughs> no yeah yeah it's a very very different movie um, but, like, I'm kind of loving Don Johnson's, like, cur- current period career because he's just, like, doing whatever and being yeah. gross. And he's in uh, uh, Dragged Across Concrete doing yes. a similar thing, uh, you know, all this stuff. But, yeah, uh, that, that scene is bonkers. And, and the, the, the guys on the stand or, sorry, the, the, the defendants or whatever, uh, like, taunting them and stuff, which I'm sure happens. And, like, that's real. But, sure. like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, again, it just plays it so cartoonishly, and it's, it's you know, it's this one, like, everybody in that crowd is, like, on the side of the uh, the rapist. So, like, it's, you know, it's yeah. very much, again, like, the tagline for this movie could be hashtag believe women, and that would be, yeah. <laughs> it, it would be an apt title. Um, if, if they had changed the title to that, I think this movie could have been big, actually. Wow. <laughs> like, imagine, because this movie came out in 2017. That's when the Me Too movement started. That's when, like, yeah. you know, that. That's when I think Weinstein was exposed and Kevin Spacey was exposed and all these different um, powerful men started falling. And that's when the Me Too movement started. This movie could have been like a zeitgeisty movie. Again, if it was like 25% better uh, than yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> if, it was, and, if, if it wasn't a Nicolas Cage video on demand release. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think if, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head earlier, too, about how it's, it's marketed. Uh, you know, the poster and the title imply or seem to be telling you that it's uh, death wish vengeance like revenge movie uh one of those style things like you know death sentence with kevin uh kevin bacon or like one of those kind of movies sure. uh and it's not really so i don't death, know 
they Death just Sentence, missed. that movie that everyone knows and everybody loves. Uh, <laughs> I fucking love that movie, first I know off. you do, yeah. And that, <laughs> it's so I, I good, like but it's too, the same thing. Yeah. It's just what yeah, made me think of it. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, everyone right. go watch Death Sentence. Yeah, so since we're talking about the Death Wish kind of stuff in the movie, let's uh, kind of refer back to that, because again, that's the last half hour of this movie, basically, um, which is, you know, after the hearing, after the, uh, the hearing happens, and, you know, it's very clear that this is not going to go to trial, the rapist is going to get away scot-free, then you have the rapists start coming through town, and they start taunting the family, they're like, you know, gloating and everything, uh, yeah. and they, en- they end up murdering their pet cat, which seems excessive um but but and that's when um bethy the daughter uh decides to call nicholas cage and say like hey we need like you need to help us somehow like i don't know what what you're gonna do i don't think she knows that she's gonna kill these guys but like yeah she but she wants help she wants protection from the family and that's when cage takes it upon himself to just murder these guys on his own um and every time cage kills one of the rapists it is the coldest most brutal shit and it's kind of awesome, which is, like, kind of a problem because it's not over the top, but it feels heightened, which makes it feel out of place, again, after the, uh, yeah. the, fairly, the fairly realistic portrayal of trauma that we've been watching for the past hour. But also, like, damn, dude, headshot. Like, <laughs> But also, it's, like, the funniest thing ever, every it's time. The, yes. Cause that's, like, like, and it's very awkward. Yeah, there's the one, the, the first one he kills. Um, yeah is, you know, attack, he's, um, they're at the bar, and it's, it's, it's actually really great, um, they're at the bar, and, uh, Anna Hutchinson's boyfriend's there, and he's, like, drinking alone at the bar, and the first rapist shows up, and he's, like, gloating about it, he's like, yeah, I got away with it, what are you gonna do, and that kind of thing, yeah. uh, and he, and he walks out of the door, and then you see, you see that, you see the cage in the background of the scene, and you can, look, it doesn't play these, but you can hear the Kill Bill sirens going on his head. <laughs> You know, it's it's right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to a, like maybe like an hour later or something. The boyfriend is go is leaving the bar. He's going towards his car, and then the rapist is there. And he attacks and he smashes his head through the window of his car. Um, and then that's when Cage shows up, and the, the rapist turns around and he pulls out a knife and it's like, oh, what are you gonna do? And Cage just shoots him in the head immediately and he dies. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit. <laughs> Like I, I let out an audible like oh shit when I saw that I was like holy fuck like that's insane yeah. uh, and it just happened so suddenly uh, and then you know after that like Cage kind of gets called in and they ask him like so this was self defense right and he's like yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> why not uh, and he kind of gives a story about uh, his time in the army and that kind of thing and why he does the things he do- does uh, and then he goes on to kill the rest of the guys because there were four of them in total right uh, he killed that one guy and then there's the two brothers who he uh, kind of lures out to Niagara Falls, and then <laughs> they're standing over the falls, and they're just talking, and they're like, oh, where is this guy? And then you hear, like, you hear a gunshot, like, off, like Cage is off screen, and he shoots one guy, and he just goes flying over the falls. <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> and then Cage kind of does the same thing to the other guy, and he dies, and then he um, uh, tracks down the other guy, like, the last guy that he has to find. Um, and kind of makes it look like a suicide in a hotel room. He makes the guy like write out a, a note and then kills the guy. But yeah, it's uh, it's nuts, man. It, like the, every time he kills one of those guys, it's like the most insane thing. Uh, and again, it's like it's kind of funny. It's it's actually yeah. really funny a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure it's meant, totally meant to be. Um, I don't know. But it is. But it is cathartic after you've watched these complete cartoonishly evil. Uh, yeah. rapists throughout the movie. Uh, it is cathartic in that way. Uh, not as satisfying. Again, I thought of Revenge. Like It's not as satisfying as in the movie Revenge, maybe because in that movie it's actually the woman who was raped um, uh, killing the guys who raped her and who yeah. assaulted her. Um, whereas in this, it's like, you know, the woman who was raped is like not part of the movie anymore, basically. It's just Cage right. acting on her behalf. Um, but I, even so, it felt cathartic to me in that way. 
Um, yeah, I agree. I, I just thought it was so funny when the first guy turns around, he pulls a knife, he's like, what are you going to do? And before he finishes speaking, he yeah. gets shot in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and out of nowhere. Like, it's so yes. quick. Happens uh, so quickly. It's great. Yeah. But it does, it is, that is an interesting point, too, to bring up that it, it feels very, it's like, a, it is a different movie by that point. It becomes, like, yeah. violent and, and uh, you know, excessive in some way. Yeah, you've got, like, an hour and ten minutes of, like, this, you know, kind of, uh, PTSD drama, right. uh, and then you've got like thirty minutes of this weird Death Wish knockoff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just kind of tacked on at the end. Yeah, yeah, and then it has like the I don't know, I don't know if it's the last line when Don Johnson and Cage, like when Johnson uh, like approaches Cage and like kind of calls him out and tells him like. You know, the Constitution, whatever, gives everyone the right to my services, but not vigilante cops. And, and there's this one that, like, should be badass and should be so cool, but it just doesn't land with Cage's, like, perf- like delivery of it. Where mm-hmm. Don Johnson's like, says, like, you know, everyone can have my services, like, as a lawyer is, like, the whole thing. And he's like, well, maybe one day you'll need mine. And Cage is like, pray you never need mine. And walks away. <laughs> and I was like, that should be fucking, like, bam, cut to black, roll credits. Like, yeah. But this movie isn't like it shouldn't end on that note. <laughs> but yeah. it just he delivers it so flat. And I was like, oh man, like I wanted that to be like a kind of punchier, you know, moment. Like in Death Wish, when it ends with Charles Bronson like giving the finger gun to the camera, like down the barrel right. of the camera. Like, oh man, that would be cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you there. Honestly, that scene, like at the end of that, Don Johnson rides away on a motorcycle. <laughs> I and forgot I was, about that. And I was I was convinced that motorcycle was about to blow up. <laughs> like with that. When, that, when he drives away on the motorcycle, uh, I was like, okay, Cage must have rigged that to explode or something. Yeah. Didn't happen. Did not happen. He just kind of rides away. And it's like, what was he even, why'd you, why'd you show me that? Why, why, <laughs> why did you show me his motorcycle? To set up the cinematic universe of Don Johnson to Cage, uh, <laughs> these characters coming back for more it's, vengeance. It's going to be like Heat, but with <laughs> but way worse. <laughs> but shitty. <laughs> it's shitty Heat. Um, all right. So, any other uh, anything else in the movie you wanted to uh, to kind of point out or uh, bring up, Mike? I, just got, I, I wanted to get a quick shout out to the bartender at the beginning of the movie who has all of the exposition for uh, Tina's entire backstory. Her entire oh life. yeah, I forgot. Uh, like as soon as she walks to the bar, he like talks. He's like looks over at Kate. He's like, oh, that's Tina McGuire. Her husband had cancer and he did this and like blah 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 blah. And like like Kate didn't ask. Yeah, <laughs> I just imagine him doing that to every patron that walks in to anyone right. sitting at the bar. <laughs> Exactly. Like, he's just making up backstories for people. Like, nothing that <laughs> yeah. what he said about Tina was true. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, any other scenes in the movie you wanted to uh, point out, Mike? Anything you want um, to talk about? No, not particularly. I think we kind of touched all the bases. I, I do I do appreciate, though, uh, actually, I think about it, how easily it apparently is to just approach the edge of Niagara Falls, according to this movie. <laughs> like, apparently, you can just, like, go there. Yeah, there's no railings or anything. Nope, it's not, <laughs> not protected. You can just drive right up. Yeah, and stand it right at the edge, like right next to the water. It's fine. You can do it. Yeah, totally. Uh, all right. So yeah, vengeance—a love story. Uh, I thought it was actually surprisingly solid. It's definitely has dumb moments for sure. But as far as video, video on demand cage movies go, I think this is in the uh, the better half <laughs> of them. Okay. Uh, and it sounds like Mike, you were not a super big fan of this movie. Yeah, maybe maybe one star is harsh, but like for sure, no more than two. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, let's hear what the uh, the people of Letterboxd have to say. Like, yes. with some Letterboxd reviews of Vengeance, a love story. First up, we got a four star review uh, of what? this movie. <laughs> Already, you're shocked. Like, hold on. <laughs> Here's a four star review of Vengeance, a love story, which reads: 
Effectively infuriating. The vengeance is definitely not enough, but it's fine, I guess, for trying to keep it within the realm of what Cage's character could plausibly get away with. Uh, at least he shows no hesitation when he murders the scum. I like that there actually wasn't a love story, really. Cage taking vengeance is only a matter of seeking justice. <laughs> <laughs> That is in italics, by the way. Uh, it's never implied. It's never implied that he's the victim because someone he cares about got hurt. He simply believes women and uses his position to take action. Also, another thing I really liked about it is that Nick Cage is in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which honestly, I feel like you can add that to every review of every movie that I've that we talked about on this podcast. Yeah. A thing I really liked about this movie is that Nicolas Cage is in the movie. Uh, <laughs> here's a three star review of uh, *Vengeance* love story, which reads. As a Nicolas Cage movie, this is a disappointment. He doesn't get a huge amount of screen time, and when he does appear, he plays his role with unusual restraint, possibly wise given this film's bleak subject matter. Uh, despite the reduced Cage factor and the general lack of quality on display here, I still found this oddly compelling. The young actress playing the daughter is really good, and some of the nighttime cinematography is surprisingly effective, like a cheap digital version of Nicolas Winding Refn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not, not bad. Uh, it doesn't really deliver the vigilante cage thrills I was looking for, but maybe that's not entirely a bad thing. Uh, here's a two-star review of Vengeance Love Story, which reads, Nicholas Cage stands atop Niagara Falls watching a bald eagle, a true patriot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a two-and-a-half-star review of the movie from Letterboxd, which reads, Nicholas Cage has a sweet deal going on. The last couple of straight-to-video titles I've seen him in, he's basically a guest star. <laughs> there's, there's the main story. A nanny who wants to steal a couple's child. Sharks eating a bunch of sailors. A woman is brutally attacked, etc. And Cage pops in and out of the movie and collects a paycheck. Then hopefully he buys something really cool, like a first-issue comic or a samurai sword or something. <laughs> and no matter how many of these he makes, I'll still like him. Uh, the rapists in this are portrayed as the vilest, un unrepentant, evil hipsters ever, and it is great seeing them get their comeuppance, and Cage does a great job playing their executioner. He is cold, unfeeling, and shows no emotion. Or it could just be he couldn't have cared less about his performance, who's to say? Uh, and this may have been the funniest courtroom scene of all time. It's <laughs> like the observers and jurors were a WWE audience after hearing the most horrific shit. Uh, Abrahams and Zucker couldn't have even dreamed this up for the Kentucky Fried movie. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll be damned if I could find a love story anywhere in this thing, by the way. <laughs> Which uh, is fair. I think Vengeance, a love story, I think the love story is meant to imply the, uh, the father-daughter sort of love that Cage and Bethy sort of have for each other. That is my best guess as to, as to what a love story could possibly mean. Anyway, here's one more. It's a one-star review of Vengeance Love Story, which reads... Uh, someone pulls a knife on Cage, asking him, you next, bitch? And Cage just immediately shoots him in the face without warning, and it might just be the best ten seconds of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and that is Vengeance, a love story. So, yeah, I, I think better than um, people might give it credit for. Not great, but uh, I think worthy of, uh, of watching it, for sure. And Mike, uh, kind of on the opposite end of things, but that's fine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, so, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter, and you can find me at MD Film Blog on Letterboxd. 
All right, and you can find me uh, at M. Smith Film Vlog on Twitter and all of our podcasts and stuff over at uh, Rapture.press alongside uh, such podcasts as The Review Zoo and Badass Biz Bitches. Thank you for listening to The Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That is Mike Show. If you're listening on iTunes or even if you're not, uh, make sure to rate and review us. Five stars would be great. And to tell people you know about the show if you can. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can do so by emailing NicholasCageCompleteWorks at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you on the next Complete Works. Nicholas Cage reunites with one of the directors of Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, uh, for a horror comedy, 2018's Mom and Dad. Pretty excited about this one, Mike. We referenced it earlier in the episode. Uh, this uh, should be a good time. I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to this. Yeah, I know uh, uh, pr- producer Colin texted me. He watched it recently and told me he's very excited for us to cover it. So nice, we're finally definitely. there. Yeah, and by the way, if anybody wants to watch it ahead of time, it is on Hulu, I think. So uh, definitely uh, easy access for mom and dad. Uh, plus, keep an eye out for the next Mike Mike Go to the Movies. We're putting out a bonus episode where we talk the new Fast and Furious spinoff, Hobbs and Shaw. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and thanks for getting in the cage.